Okay, let's do this one last time, yeah? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider. Call me Spider-Man! I want that ball-crawling arachnid prosecuted! I'm Spider-Man. I want him strung up by his web! Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man! Hello, true believers. Welcome to the Spider-Man Book Club. This podcast is all about digging into the library of everyone's favorite wall-crawling menace and his spectacular corner of the Marvel Universe. I'm your host, JJ Hodges, and today I'm joined by Mr. Nick Caruso and Nico Caruso to discuss where it all started with Amazing Fantasy number 15. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. I'd say again, but technically this is your first time on this podcast as opposed to several appearances on the uh, four comic junkies podcast so welcome right so happy to be here talking about spider-man it's we're we're, we're coming off such a wonderful thing with no way home that mm. he's, he's in my blood spider-man always yep always looking to talk spidey absolutely and we're very happy to appear on this new show this is wonderful mm -hmm. spider-man book club i'm 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 excited to be on it but i'm even more excited to see um the episodes that come out after this and the other stories that you tackle because in my humble opinion he's got some awesome stories awesome stuff to talk about and jj when we're always on a show together it's a great conversation and so oh. I, have, I have i have no doubts that will happen today as well you, you know what's funny is that i i think i had a dream we were recording but mr c wasn't here and mm. and nico you were really weird you were like oh no he's not joining us today and I was like, well, no. <laughs> that's all I remember. And it just was very menacing. The as... multiverse. <laughs> it was in the multiverse. It's somewhere out there. You know, if you if you believe in that kind of stuff, which if you're a scientist. You should. I don't know. <laughs> would. There's there's a there's a multiverse where we got a Sam Raimi Spider-Man for, which would have been interesting. Mm -hmm. um, well, it's this one. <laughs> just give it a couple of years. <laughs> We'll get we'll get it we'll get it all we'll get Spider-Man four Amazing Spider-Man three, and uh, MCU Spider-Man four whatever it ends Give up being. All of it. Give me all of it. <laughs> um, all right, so gentlemen, um, let's start with when were you both? Um, when were you quote unquote bitten by the by the in this case uh, radioactive spider? Well, for me, it was probably in i was probably about eight or nine years old maybe 73 or so was the 60s cartoon it used to be on when i came home from school and it was i remember like the first episode was electro that's why i love electro so much oh. and i just immediately got captivated by it as a young child and oddly enough Probably like a year later, when I when I first discovered comics on the rack at the drugstore and I picked up Batman, I remember when I went back there the next day because I wasn't really sure if when issues came out or whatever. And I picked up I think it was Spider-Man 145, Amazing Spider-Man 145. I remember my first issue because it had the tarantula on the cover. Oh, OK. And mm -hmm. I immediately got again. It started with the cartoon. And then it, it just like with Batman, that's why they're my two favorite characters, because I had the same experience with the both of them. With Batman, it was the 60s television show, then the comic, Spider-Man, the animated show, and then the comic. 
and I've never stopped since. They're, they're, they'll forever be my two favorite fictional superheroes. It's just amazing. What's cool is, yeah, for me, it was you've always had a lot of action figures and stuff in your collection and comic books as I was growing up. So I always saw Spider-Man, but it was really uh, the first Sam Raimi film in 2002. Mm -hmm. Um, And to build my anticipation for that movie, you started showing me the 90s animated series. So, So it was a combination of 90s animated series, Raimi's first film. Um, and then like the merchandise and the toys from the Raimi film. And then we started looking at comics and stuff. Um, I believe in the paper in the Chicago Tribune, they were um, reissuing the first, what, 15 mm-hmm. Spider-Man comics would come with the paper, like a cheap reprint flimsy. It was like a smaller version. And sure, I sure. remember it started with Amazing Fantasy 1 through 15 through 15 mm-hmm. i think it was through 15 or maybe it was 20 and i would like read those um i'm pretty sure we have all those somewhere i have find them but, somewhere yeah. and so then i got into the the current stuff a little bit closer to spider-man 2 that 2004 2005 ish then i started reading what was current and it was like a venom story going on um i want to say dan slot was writing at that point so it was it was really that first raimi film plus the 90s animated series which are still my two I would say are my two uh, holy grail of, of Spider-Man things content. You, you know, I, <clears throat> I, I, I gotta say this about those Spider-Man toys that came out with the, the first couple of movies. Um, they don't make them like that anymore, man. Like mm-hmm. they were so, they were posable and fun and like, and they just, they look so cool. And I remember having them and playing with them when I was a kid and they just don't make them like that anymore. You know, like, you know, there's I mean, there's like the, the collector's items. That's cool. But it's like, man, like but like for kids that made a difference, you know, like. Yeah, I, I would say that the, the 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 figures you get on at, at Target, the Hasbro Marvel Legends, while I do applaud them because they do so many figures, I, I think the quality of those figures is 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 deteriorated. Yeah. Rapidly. Yeah. Um, the plastic they're using, some of the detail. I would agree with you. Those Raimi movie figures were beautiful. I mean, everybody looked like the likeness of, of who they were trying to capture. Yeah. Um, I guess it's just quantity now over quality. Yeah. I'm yeah, really not quite sure. Good. You know, we could do a whole show on action figures, but that's a, <laughs> that's another another rabbit hole I don't want to go down right now. But I would agree with you that those Spider-Man 1 and 2 figures were beautiful. That That's a, if we're going to do that you know, we'd have to have Pete Vera on because he, oh, he's yeah, an ex- expert on that. He's a doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, so on, on the Italian, yeah, Italian Spider-Man coalition, you know, I, I love that you're, your daddy bats on vigilante and then Papa Webbs on, Papa Webbs. <laughs> on, Papa uh, on the Italian Spider-Man. So if you don't mind, we'll keep that going here. Sure. Uh, Cause I think that's, that's awesome. Um, so, Papa Webbs, um, you kind of alluded to this already. Uh, who is your favorite character throughout uh, the Spider-Man corner of the Marvel Universe? Well, my favorite, I mean, my favorite character, in addition to Spider-Man, of course, would be, I just love Electro. Yeah. Um, there's some, it, it, it's not like he's a real deep character or this real profound yeah. villain. Yeah. I just, his image, when I saw him on the, 60s cartoon with the lightning bolts and whatnot so but i gotta be honest with you uh, one of the reasons that i love spider-man outside of him being so great is his rogues gallery yeah i mean and it's funny because him and batman you know i go back and forth who is the better one 
but nobody since Batman has a rogues gallery like Spider-Man. Yeah. Just a colorful group of villains that are just second to none. When you look at Doc Ock, you know, you look at the lizard and they do a beautiful thing of always connecting these villains to like Spider-Man's personal life. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of unique that way. I know other they've copied that with other heroes, but this this character here has an assortment of villains from Craven. And then, you know, down the road, we got Todd McFarlane with Venom. It's just been a, an unbelievable run with him with the bad guys. No, I, I totally agree. And and they all have such great visuals, too. Like you talk about Beautiful. the tarantula, like he's sort of an inverse of Spider-Man's look. Um, Correct. It's just so it's such a it's very striking to look at, you know, and even going into like Venom, just like, like, what is this thing? You know, like yeah. just the image grabs you and you want to. You, you want to pick up the comic and go, I want to learn about this monster, you know? Uh, what about you, Nico? For me, it's got to be Venom. Um, yeah, I'm a symbiote guy when he's yeah. in the black suit, and then when it goes over to Eddie Brock's Venom. And the reason why I say Venom is um, Spider-Man 300 is one, one, is one of my – it's probably my favorite issue of Spider-Man ever when he fights Venom for the first time. And what's cool is Venom has actually gotten to progress in the comics. And I like when characters do that, when we do see a little bit of a change over time. And now he's more of an anti-hero. And with the recent stuff that Donny Cates has been doing um, with like King and Black and Absolute Carnage, like Pete and Eddie are now closer and have this mutual respect between each other and this camaraderie between each other. And even though they still do things in a much different way, um, they've grown from foes to allies in a way. And that's pretty cool. Um, There's a lot of people, and it's a very valid opinion that Venom should have just stayed a villain this whole time. And I'm like, well, but that's almost every villain of every superhero. I I like when some of them start to change and take on a different role. Um, They play around with Doc Ock being helpful and then bad and helpful and bad, which is fine. I, I think that's fitting for him. But for Venom, I like this change he's went on. And even though it, it wasn't necessarily Spider-Man writers who did all of that change. Um, that's why I like Venom is because now he, now that white spider has a different meaning and it yeah, has multiple yeah. meanings. You know, with Venom, it's just amazing though, because again, I remember reading, he was so menacing when he first appeared. Like I remember really being almost afraid. Yeah. That's how great he was when he was introduced. And when he comes back, they they wrote the fear that Spider-Man had mm-hmm. himself of like, oh, no, I got to face this guy again. And I think it's beautiful what they've done with him yeah. because I think the character would have stayed too one dimensional that way. So 100%. and he's too. And, he, and like you said, JJ, he's a great visual character. Yeah. One that probably deserves. They knew that they could sell comics with that character alone. So yeah. they did the right yeah. thing with him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and Venom is a great character to the point where like Sony was desperate to make a movie out of him, you know, sure, yeah. even without Spider-Man um, and varying opinions on that. Those two films aside, um, it, you can't deny the financial success of it, of course. Yeah. You can. Um, so it's like, obviously, there is something that, you know, that's working. Um, and I personally think. My feelings on those movies aside, because we're not going to get into all of that, he looks amazing in those movies. Oh, he like, does. He looks yeah. amazing. Like, I I bought the Funkos of it, because I was like, this is so cool, I have to own this, you know? 
<laughs> and and put it next to my spider-man um because that's so cool you know one of my spider-man uh eventually i'll unpack this house and it'll be decorated but <laughs> not right now um all right so next question and so nico you already answered this one uh favorite costume and i knew what your answer was going to be because oh, I, I think i think you find a way to shoehorn this into every conversation i said Absolutely. wasn't andrew garfield great in tick tick boom and you said he really was. And also the symbiote suit is my favorite. Spider-Man suit. <laughs> and also the black costume is legendary. <laughs> I retweet something about it once a day from the daily symbiote Spider-Man Twitter account. Shouts to them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great. Um, what, what about you, Papa Webbs? You know, I love the I really love his look from an art from Todd McFarlane. I love just mm-hmm. the regular blue and red. Um, that's kind of like the Spider-Man that I that I think of when I visualize him. And there have been so many great artists over the years, but really his basic fundamental early look and, and as it progressed a little bit as the decades went by. But I mean, I don't want to piggy. I'm, I'm like copying him, too. I am a sucker for the black suit, too. I mean, I just didn't want to say that. I'd <laughs> like to have the same answer. But, you know, I was there when Secret Wars 8 came out and it was stunning to see that. And then I was like, oh, my God, they're actually going to, like, use this. And he's going to be this for a while with the symbiote. So when that when that those initial drawings of him in that black suit were just beautiful with the blue tint a little bit on the comic pages. So he's just a striking, you know, Spider-Man is is, as popular as he is because he's a beautiful looking character. Yeah. Mm You know, it's, and I mean, it just it, from everything. I mean, it's just you go back to the early issue we're going to do today. Ditko, it's just it's fantastic. It's just unbelievable how good he looks as a hero. It, you know, it's it's interesting with the black suit. And I, I and I'll talk and I, we could all talk about the black suit, like just the suit. Look, um, one of my favorite covers of all time is I, I can't remember exactly what comic it was. It might have been like friendly neighborhood or spectacular, but it's, it's all black and white. It's Spider-Man like leaping off of a roof. It's all black and white with just Spider-Man in the suit. And then like the lights of like the city buildings, I'll have to look it up. And, and I know that. that's I know web that. of, um, what issues is that? that's remember. one of the web of Spider-Man. He's like upside down, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's web of Spider-Man something. Issue, yeah. Damn it. Yeah. I think yeah. we were trying to get that issue. It's going to bother me. Yeah. Now. i've started something (laughs) um no but it's just such a striking look and it's so not what you think of with friendly neighborhood spider-man it's like like, oh like this is something else like you know like seeing um oh gosh uh like detective comics i want to say number 40 i think it is with the first issue with robin and batman's look was was a was very different you know what I mean? Uh, when mm-hmm. Robin comes out of the, I don't know, the canvas or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and it's like it's like oh okay, so we're going from the dark Avenger Batman to, let's say the Kate Crusader, where now he's a little bit more um, approachable, mm-hmm. um, and it's just the opposite with Spider Man. So that's really interesting. Um, I was confusing two issues. It's uh, Spectacular Spider Man One Hundred and One. There we go. You that got it. <laughs> That's um, a beautiful cover. I'm gonna have to look that up and post it uh, on the Spider-Man books uh, page because it's such a striking image. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so let's let's get into it a little bit. You know, not not a very long issue. 
but definitely the most important in Spider-Man history. Uh, Amazing Fantasy number 15, published August 1st, 1962, uh, written by Stan Lee, of course. Uh, actually penciled and inked by Steve Ditko, which I did not know till I looked mm-hmm. it up. No. Um, colored by Stan Goldberg and lettered by Art Simic. Um, I was, I'm trying now to, uh, you know, reach out to, you know, the inkers and colorists and letters because they do not get enough credit uh, mm-hmm. for no. the amazing work that they do on comics. Um, and it's interesting seeing their names on multiple different comics. So clearly they're able to do multiple projects just like writers can do multiple projects. Whereas like the penciler, you know, they can really only do like one at a time and some covers here and there. Uh, Cause comics is a pretty demanding schedule um, when you have like a monthly comic, of course. Um, so with this, with this issue, it's, it's pretty straightforward uh, with the Spider-Man origin. And I think that the behind the scenes of it is, is just as interesting where you know like stanley came up with the idea for spider-man and told his editor and his editor told him that it was the dumbest idea he'd ever heard it's like nobody likes spiders why are you going to make a superhero Mm -hmm. called spider-man and and stanley was like okay fine i won't do it and then the amazing fantasy was getting canceled so he was like well i'll just put it in here because no one no one cares and you know i was thinking about this last night when i was like prepping for the podcast so isn't it interesting how many uh, of our favorite things started off by being rejected? Mm. You know, uh, Superman, Star Wars, uh, The Matrix, even, I think. Um, and of course, Spider-Man. These things were all, you know, the creators were told, this is dumb. It doesn't make any sense. No one's going to like this. No one's going to get it. And then here we are, you know, 80, 40, 50, 60 years later, talking mm. about Star Wars, talking about Superman, talking mm. about Spider-Man. Um, even to some degree talking about the matrix, although it, I, it is a shame that the last movie didn't hit the way it should have, I believe. Um, mm. I still have not seen it, but I've heard mixed things, but regardless, it's like, isn't it, you know, isn't that interesting that some of the best things we know were like, just kind of, you know, pushed out the door. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like a chef, right? Sometimes they, they put the wrong ingredients or something and it, it winds up being like, something wonderful but i would agree with you that especially in those days i think where you had dc who was around for a while and marvel was just kind of starting yeah and i think stan was pitching a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. and it was invariably i could see where someone would be like that sounds pretty dumb yeah and you're right it it, i mean who likes spiders right (laughs) 99 out of 100 people right you see a spider you you freak out a little bit like that. Um, but I think the magic of it is the look and the colors. And I think had they had that and, and showed that to the, the man, the editor who rejected, it, I think he would have had a different, I think he would have had a different take on it. Don't you? Well, conceptually, I mean, when you think about it, there's times where I'll, where I'll stare at a photo of him or figure or something that we have and be like, I cannot believe this worked and became what it did. Because conceptually, you're right. It's silly. Spider-Man, a guy who has spider powers. It's so interesting. It's, interesting. It's, it's so interesting that that 
I see, like you said, why I was rejected. And I also still don't really know why it took off, but I think it's like my dad said, not only is it the colors and the look, once you started reading it, he's the most relatable superhero of all time. He's one of the most relatable characters ever. So I think it's, it, 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 it was this perfect osmosis of like the, who the, who the character is as a human being, then mixed with these ridiculous powers but also this amazing red and blue color scheme i i'm 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 staring at him right now and i'm like i cannot believe spider-man is the is the biggest superhero ever in my humble opinion but it's it's cool but yeah i i could understand how in the 60s a rough idea of this was brought to someone and they're like what yeah we have a batman already where's this cape like now we're going to do spider. Like, are we, are we just going to turn yeah. every animal into animal a person? Into a I get it. Yeah. I get it. Well, there's that joke in infinity war when uh banner says there's an ant-man and a spider-man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm not hundred percent sure who came first ant-man or spider-man. You know, they're both Stan Lee. So, you know, who knows? Um, you know, he, like he, he barely remembered. He was just like, you know, like I, there was an interview I read with him. He's like, I wouldn't know a gamma bomb from an eggplant, but you know, <laughs> It's it sounded dangerous and maybe that'll make a superhero and uh, you know and it's just so like straightforward where it's like oh the spider got caught in radi- in some radioactive material um, and bites Peter and and I love that it it almost was challenging for future writers to figure out like okay but like how did that work though like what what was in the radiation you know what caused it so just a throwaway thing that Stanley did thinking no one will ever buy this, you know, I'm just getting it off my chest. And then suddenly it like explodes and everybody wants to like, like, cr- like, like crack it, like figure it out, you know? And then, and then we get a character like Silk out of it, which is interesting, mm. you know, like, so the spider bites Peter and then before it dies, bites her too. Um, which I, I thought was really interesting. Um, like when that character was announced, I was like, like Oh, that's kind of cool. Like, you know, we don't, uh, you know, you don't think of stuff like that, but then, you know, that's why we're not getting paid to (laughs) write like Dan Slott getting paid to write hundreds of issues of Spider-Man. That's insane to begin with. Um, But it's, it's so cool to think that like Stanley just wanted a a very basic origin. And the fun thing about the book is that like Peter is relatable because partially because he's a little bit of a dick. He's a, he's kind of selfish, but you kind of see why because he's picked on all the time mm-hmm. his, his aunt and uncle are great and he loves them but he's like you know when he becomes a wrestler he's like look dude it's not my problem nobody's gonna pick on me anymore because i got these powers and then when you know uncle ben dies he's like that's when he like snaps out of it and goes okay like i i get it like i have these powers for a reason um and so it is a very relatable story i think you know even if we're not all like quote unquote like bookworms like Peter Parker, but we are, you know, like I, I, you know, when I was a kid, uh, especially in grade school, like I was picked on a lot. And so it's like, I, I related to Peter in that way. It's like, it wasn't until I got to high school, I finally found like my, my people, you know, like my, mm-hmm. where it's like, Oh, okay. So you like this stuff too. You know, it's not weird that I liked superheroes when I was, eight nine ten years old (laughs) you know it's it's you know and then even now i'm 34 you know it's almost it's almost weird not to like these things these days it's very strange (laughs) yeah he he's so relatable so 
I'm going to say this and I don't want to stereotype um, myself or anybody at that time, but to be honest with the gentleman, if you were reading comic books at that time, you were kind of that character mm-hmm. or could really relate to Peter Parker. Yeah. Because it just, you know, like I always say at that time, it was more of a, of a real niche thing where, you know, it was almost like you weren't cool if you were reading comics, it was something you did on your own. So when I read the story, which I think I read it in a treasury edition mm-hmm. when they started releasing those bigger volumes, they would reprint the stories. I think they had where the amazing fantasy was the cover of one of the treasury editions. I got it because I was reading Spider-Man for about a year or two before I ever caught that reprint, mm-hmm. but immediately he's so relatable. Like Nick says that you feel there's Peter Parker in all of us. Right. Yeah. And the other thing strange as a kid too, was I was trying to figure out like, you know, where were his mom and dad? Like he's got this yeah. really old aunt and uncle, right? Cause they look really old in this comic. Yeah. I mean, they almost look like grandparents to him. Yeah. But in that time I was kind of confused about it, but the thing is, Nick, it's like, you always say, man, there's, there's Peter Parker and all of us, man. I mean, there may not be Bruce Wayne in all of us, right? No. But there's Peter Parker in all of us. There is. And and I think that, to go back to what I said a little bit earlier, is I think that's the driving force of the character and why people find so much um, safety in him. I know I did. I was in a similar place as you or JJ, as you described when you were younger. And um, knowing this character was a nice escape for me. And I understand where he is in the book too, because it's very easy to be angry at the world. Right. Especially now it's uh, it's, it's very easy when you're down on your luck or when things aren't going your way or when people are being cruel um, to demand it to be different. And then the, and, and then I could only imagine the minute it is different for you and you realize you have the power to stop all that. Um, it becomes addicting in a way. Right. And I think that's the beauty of Peter Parker's journey is his anger at people and the world for, for his circumstances is, is, is warranted. It's human that when he gets these powers, he, he needs to be humbled. Hmm. And unfortunately, like every, you, you know, great origin story, you, you, you have to suffer a loss for it. Yeah. And um, the loss of uncle Ben is, is of course what does that and, that's what brings him down earth is okay so now i have these powers but the world isn't just cruel to me it's cruel in general so let me be the one to stop the cruelness for everyone instead of just myself it's bigger than me yeah which is the beauty of his entire with you know with great power there must also come great responsibility that's why it hits so hard it you know it's it's like truer words were never spoken um and to go back to what we were talking about like with venom earlier i love that um topher grace said that the way he tried to play Eddie Brock was that with great power comes great fun, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think that says a lot about the Venom character, you know, yeah. that uh, he, that he kind of, at least at first, you know, like when he was a villain, he really twisted that, that mantra um, and in a really like sick way and, you know, and, and say what you will about like Topher Grace's performance and that he was you know, miscast or whatever in, in Spider-Man three, personally i think he would have been great if he was given better material to work with in that film um but that's a topic for another day uh but i that statement stuck with me where it was like yeah that that that, i think that fits eddie brock just like great power and great responsibility fits peter parker Hmm. um because you know peter 
you know, it, and it's, and it always goes back to that, but like, well, if I just, <clears throat> you know, if I ignore something, then something worse will happen. Mm-hmm. And, and that again is relatable, you know, uh, you know, how many times, you know, am I going to hit the snooze button before I suddenly like wake up and go, Oh, shoot. Now I'm an hour late to work because I hit the snooze button, but didn't wake up for the, the next alarm. Um, and something very, very minor, of course. Um, but th- there's, there's truth to that, that you, we all have responsibility. We all have some power, you know, and to ignore that the way Peter did will have consequences. And, and I think personally that the, you know, it, it, it's, it's not even, it's, it, this, this has to be like a universally acclaimed thing that um, the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire really captured that moment of um, Peter realizing that mm-hmm. in the, um, when he confronts the, the guy who shot uncle Ben mm-hmm. um, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's really, really well done. And it's almost shot for shot in the book too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That movie, uh, that movie was the perfect Spider-Man introduction to the world. I mean, Sam Raimi couldn't have captured him any better. And you're right. There is a lot of similarity with this issue. Um, I, I mean, you would say the same, right? Yeah, no. And that's the thing too, is also to make it hit so much harder for an origin. And not only the way it plays out in the book and in the film too, is, is he, he, he made a choice to not stop this mm-hmm. burglar. And the, in, in the moment, that was a choice. That was something he could have done. He could have stopped. But like we said earlier, he's like, well, no, I'm done doing that. I'm done doing this. I'm just going to do me well. That's the first shining example of Uncle Ben's death is also technically his fault. Yeah. In a way, he could have stopped sure. it. He could have, it, it would have never happened. And his whole journey as Spider-Man to this point would have never happened. So I think... Um, and I do like how the film almost shot for shot captures it in, in the warehouse in the top of that place where he holding them and he sees and he realizes um, because it, it, it shows that now with this gift, you literally can impact life or death of any person in this world and you got to do something about it. And this is not to go on TV and try to make money off it. This isn't going in the wrestling ring anymore to make money off it. It's it's it takes on a Spider-Man begins as something, especially in this. So in the movie, yeah, he he his name's Spider-Man. And um right after he wins the money and then Uncle Ben gets killed, we kind of go right into it. But in here, he's Spider-Man for a little bit on TV and stuff. So the world and him, he already has an idea of what Spider-Man is. And by the end of Amazing Fantasy 15, he realizes what Spider-Man has to be mm-hmm. now. It's yeah. not what it just was for him, which is the really cool thing about this issue that I think I forget a lot and a lot of people forget is that he uses it a lot more, a little bit more for the personal game. And yeah. then, of course, that goes away at the end of the issue in, in tragic but poetic fashion. It's so interesting with Spider-Man, you know, and I, I, I'm probably going to talk about this every single episode, but a character that I think of as being so lighthearted and fun is really steeped in tragedy. Um, yeah. And it's really interesting, you know, and, and, I, and I loved rereading this. And, and, like, I had to, like, take my head out of it for a second and go, Peter's kind of a dick. And then I was like, okay, well, no, like, of course he is because he's getting picked on. He's, you know, he's a little bit, you know, 
resents the world a little bit who wouldn't who doesn't you know um so it, it makes sense when he's like okay i have all this you know this tragedy happens he's like i have all this power i have to do something good with it um and then you know he kind of cont- and and the interesting thing about spider-man is that he kind of continues to get his butt kicked uh throughout like the first few amazing spider-man issues you know he tries to impress the Fantastic Four by showing up and saying, hey, I've got powers. I'm here to join you. And they're like, get the hell out of here, kid. You know? <laughs> and then, you know, he tries to fight the chameleon. And I think the chameleon ends up getting away in that issue. Um, and Jameson is always, you know, screaming about what a wall crawling menace he is. Um, and it's just it, it. It's so interesting and relatable, the idea that you know, this, this poor guy, he just has such a hard time catching a break. And it's just so like, <clears throat> I mean, there's really no other word for it. It's, it's relatable. It's it, and it kind of, it, it, it makes it funny in a, in a, in a way, you know? Yeah. I mean, initially you're right. He he's looking to fit in, right? Yeah. So he's, he's this isolated loner. He's now taking on all this responsibility because of what happened to Uncle Ben. And so it is cool when he goes to the Fantastic Four and says, like, here I am. It's like he's looking to be a part of something. Um, and that's ultimately the tragedy, I guess, of his character, right? Is that he never, at least in the beginning, it's like he never really fits in anywhere. Yeah. You know, and he's still a nerd in school. And yet he's got all these powers, right? And it's like any one of us would have been like to tell everybody, like, hey, do you know who I am? And be accepted but it's that burden that he carries with him and again you know that evolves over time and peter becomes cooler and he he gets his own cast of friends and stuff but in those early issues even though they're written so long ago and you know it feels like they might be dated they're not those same principles and characteristics are part of everybody what's what's interesting to me is that even going back to this first one, like there's, yeah, the way comics were written at this time in the sixties and even before it, I know for a lot of people seem inaccessible. And even though at this time they're loaded with exposition, like they're telling, like when the burglar goes into the elevator, well, now that the elevator door is shut and I'm in the high speed elevator, they will never get me now. And I will get away with the money. It's like, Jesus Christ. But, but I did laugh but, out loud at that. Right. It was Stanley. Yes. But, yeah. but in an endearing way, cause, yeah. cause it's how comics were. And it wasn't yeah. until like, um, that there's, uh, if, if either of you or anyone listening read um, the new Rorschach series by Tom King, there's a whole issue that talks about when and why comics changed and went from that to it. It's oh, a very interesting issue. A yeah. It's a very interesting issue, but to go back Does to Does it this, give you the time, like the, the era or no? Just- yeah. Well, then, but I can't spoil the story, what happens, because there's like certain No, I don't want to talk do about it. I have a, but, we'll talk later when I think it, it, when I think they got a little more adult. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, but the, that was post crisis, I think, when things got a little bit. Um, yeah. The, but on the, top the of reader, that, the readers were growing up sort of thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. But on yeah. top of that, I think Spidey's the one character because I've struggled to go back to certain stuff and try to read it, too. But Spidey is the one where it just works. Yeah. Even with the exposition, even with like the narration, which I just do Stanley's in my head when I read it. But the whole classic nature of this actually works for him as a character mm-hmm. because tragedy aside it's so much fun and lighthearted. and then when the moments of emotion come in they do hit pretty hard so he's he's 
probably the only person I could go back in the from like the 60s era of comics and still absolutely love it. Whereas for the other ones, I'm kind of laboring through it, even though it's I know it's classic yeah. and it sounds blasphemous to me, but some of that older bronze Batman stuff, like I try and I'm like, I'm so used to what he is now that it's yeah. so hard to go back well, to that. But Spidey has been pretty consistent since yeah. his conception here till now. No, you're right about that. It, yep. it, it's hard to read Batman like that from the 60s because it's the comics are very bright and he's he's out in the daylight a lot, which yeah. which is unusual. Right. <laughs> but for Spider-Man, it works. I agree with you. But I will say the Bronze Age Batman is when it turned for him. And it started to get to close to what, what Denny O'Neill did. And Neil Adams is the kind of the Batman we have today. But for Spider-Man, it really is timeless. It's those timeless, old issues. All of it. Because, again, when you're reading them, it's the relatability that you can, in your own mind, remember when you were young. You remember the things that you went through as a teenager, your trials and tribulations. And, that, and that's, again, that's why he is maybe right now in pop culture, the number one superhero. Yeah. I mean, I think we can make that argument that he's number one, and I would say Batman's a close second. Well, I'm sure this movie's going to help, but I don't know, JJ. I don't think anybody's bigger than Spider-Man right now. If you go around and talk to kids globally, I think he <laughs> say global, global phenomenon. phenomenon. <laughs> I think Spider-Man is a global phenomenon, and I think he is the blueprint for what a hero is. I, You know, it, it's... There's... I mean, I... Yeah, I couldn't have said it better, really. Um, and there's there's proof in the pudding, really, where um, I mean, just look at like we're still, you know, dealing with COVID and everything and No Way Home shows up and makes a billion dollars as if like as if there's no pandemic. It's it's wild. Um, and and I remember like thinking that thinking like, man, it's such a bummer because like some of the Marvel movies didn't do as well. You know, they did okay, uh, like acceptable numbers given the circumstances. And even like Ghostbusters Afterlife, I was bummed, didn't like light the world on fire the way I would have wanted because Ghostbusters is my favorite movie mm -hmm. of all time. And I loved the new movie. Um, and I was just like, man, like, you know, and I was like, and then Spider-Man too, like what's going to happen? And then it was just like, you know, what, like, something like 250 million over the first it, weekend it or something it just blew up yeah. yeah and i was just like and and you could argue that it's because of the nostalgia with it um but but the nostalgia with it is still part of spider-man you know it's like yeah. bringing back willem dafoe and uh alfred molina jamie fox and and obviously toby and andrew it's like okay yeah like that's that you know is that, that's a part of it but it, at the end of the day, it's not those actors, it's Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. like, you know, we didn't go see that movie because we were big Tobey Maguire fans. You know, <laughs> like... Well, um, no, I can't... Yeah. <laughs> um, Speak for yourself. Um, yeah. no, I'm just so, kidding. You know, Cider House Rules was a masterpiece. Um, <laughs> I've actually never seen it, but... Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's interesting to think, like, oh, like, this, this movie, you know, this character, like, you know, and, and Nico, you tweeted out like several times because I think you saw the movie, I think like 600 times, like something like that. Seven hundred. <laughs> actually, technically in theaters, six. Okay. Technically watched it seven times. Okay. I can't explain how I watched it that seventh time, but. Is it all through, all through memory, just like. <laughs> it was through memory. And then one person had a TikTok where they 
TikTok the whole thing. And so I just watched <laughs> clips. Well, there was like 500 clips on someone's TikTok. It was hilarious. That's funny. It's gone. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it that says a lot about the character. And, and you know, I, I totally agree with you. This is a, you know, to call it a global phenomenon is not at all inaccurate. It's, you know, and Spider-Man and Batman, you know, for Batman for a little bit longer, of course, but has have always had that like attraction to them it's why that they keep getting new animated shows every few years you know it's why their comics you know like the bookshelves if when you go to the comic book store there's like half of its the dc section is batman and maybe not half but a good chunk of it is at least spider-man characters you know Mm -hmm. like i said he's like so like now there's it's even crazier you know you have spider gwen you have silk you have venom there's a carnage comic coming out soon Um, i'm riley yeah, yeah Ben Riley. Yeah, sending the, the clones. Somebody that you know, I think <laughs> shouldn't have worked, <laughs> and yeah, kind of didn't work at the time. But you know, writers were like, somebody said, "I like this character. I want to make it yeah. work." Same way Stanley did. He was like, "No, no, I like this idea. This is going to work." And and it's funny you say about it's it's hard to push through those old comics, because um, you know it. it they were definitely written of their time. And I've read a lot of those old sixties comics, like X-Men, Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four. I think, you know, those old Stanley, uh, Jack Kirby comics are so much fun to read. They're beautiful. Um, Yeah. There are pieces of art for sure. And, 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 you know, and just so simple, like Stanley's like, uh, you know, this guy's going to show up and he wants to eat the world. And, uh, And exactly got, right and he's got a herald that you know is on a silver it's so funny yeah why not the world eater yeah it, it just it's so it's so outlandish and even this kid gets bitten by a radioactive spider it's like okay well when he get cancer like yeah, yeah. when like, a bunch of other things but happen. jj yeah. you're right the narrative to wait to how stan wrote in the boxes i felt like he was talking right to me he is yeah, and you know what I mean, that's and and that's what was the beauty. That was the difference between Marvel and DC. DC was bigger, you know, at the time. But it was for me. I'm like, wow, man, this guy. It, it's almost like when you hear that song and you feel like they wrote it just for you. It's what you're going through. Yeah. Where yeah. DC, you felt like you were reading a story. Mm-hmm. You were reading something that you related to because you love the heroes and the story, but it wasn't quite as personal. Mm-hmm. Marvel always the magic of Marvel is with just about every single character, like you said, they they were talking directly to the reader. Yep. And and Nick's right, they explained a lot of stuff that you know maybe they didn't think we were smart enough to get a lot of it, but it was there and it, it was it, some degree the movies do that too. It's just it's explained to you and it 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 dummies it down. I hate to say that, I don't mean to say that, but that was why Marvel was so relatable. And even the soapbox afterwards and yeah. the letters to the editors, there's some great stuff. <laughs> some of those, like, mm. you know, those editorials that Stan did, that was yeah. just, it's still relevant in the world today. It really is. There's a reason I think that we see, you know, and I always try to reshare these when I see them on Twitter or Facebook, these, these memes and stuff of people that are like, you can't be a bigot and like X-Men that you don't get it. You can't be, mm, yep. you can't really be like a bully and like Spider-Man, you know? Right. And and a lot of these like, you know, police officers that try and like, you know, take the Punisher's logo and like, you know, 
uh, Jerry Conway, you know, I think was the one who created the Punisher, you know, was like furious seeing that going like you're 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 twisting the narrative and that's mm-hmm. not OK. And yep. and I you know, and, and Stan Lee was very open about all that, you know, like, you know, he's like, if you're you know, if you're racist, if you're a bigot, you have no place here because mm-hmm. this is a place for fun. This is a place where we celebrate heroes. And, and I love that the best Spider-Man stories have always been kind of tragic, you know, like this one, but there's a glimmer of hope at the end. Like he, cause he learns something from it. It's what separates him from the villains. The villains don't learn, you know, you know, maybe with the exception of Venom, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, but you know, they're, they're just, they're out for themselves. And, and Peter isn't like, Peter is like, no, like, because I was out for myself, bad things happened. So now I have to, you know, I have to help people. And uh, like one of my favorite comics of all time is uh, Dan Slott's last issue of Amazing Spider-Man, which was 801, where, you know, it's this narrator talking about how Spider-Man saves the world every day. And it, because he saves a person, he saves somebody. And that somebody is somebody's world. And that like, that like really like, hit me in it it hit me in the feels it was very much what stanley was trying to say back then and and really what stanley said successfully and 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 stanley was just such a a presence you know didn't he narrate some of the old 60s cartoons or something like or he narrated something uh maybe yeah i don't recall that if he did the 60s those those were i I don't remember i know spider-man during the actual episodes, I think it was mostly him doing the talking. Yeah. So I'm not sure about that. He, I remember him narrating something like maybe in like the seventies, like, yeah. like that's kind of where I got my intro, you know, like, Hey, true believers, you know, or whatever. Um, and he was just so energetic and charismatic and, and say what you will about maybe how he handled dealings with Ditko and Kirby and stuff, you know, that's all business politics and mm-hmm. yeah. all the, all that nonsense. But, you know, Stan was just so, I mean, right up until his death was so giving to the fans. Yeah. I, I went to um, a couple of different comic cons and, and saw him. I think the first time I ever saw him, he just happened to like walk by me and I was just like, <gasps> you know, like, um, like, Oh my God, that's Stan Lee. And then like, um, you know, when I actually got, I, I got to actually like physically meet him um, was uh heroes con in Charlotte, in 2012 which was 10 years ago oh my god <laughs> so this is an interesting story if you don't mind me rambling here for no, a no, uh, so it uh so at the time i lived in uh, greenville north carolina and this comic-con was in charlotte north carolina so i called my my older sister and i was like we should go to this comic-con it's not very far from me it's not very far from you um we uh you know so we should like meet up and you know and go to this and and there was like a Stan Lee like meet and greet thing, and I bought the one ticket that was like, uh, get get an autograph and get uh, a picture with him. So I was like, I got to do that. I'll, I'm willing to spend the money on that. And my sister went a step further and said, the the people that put the Heroes Con on is a comic book store called Heroes Aren't Hard to Find. So they uh, and they were having an actual meet and greet with Stan Lee at their comic book store, and they were going to have beer and and snacks and stuff. And um, I was like, and she was like, well, I bought that one, but you can have it. 
you know, cause I wow. know that, that, wow. that'll mean a lot to you. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, okay. And the joke I made was that somebody got me drunk and put me in a comic book store. So I did end up buying <laughs> a lot of things that day, <laughs> but so, you know, th this store was really cool. One of the coolest comic book stores I've ever seen. They, they had like all over the walls is like different, like comic book covers, what they call like the, the history of comic books, this big Superman statue hanging over like the back issues stuff. So Stan Lee comes in and, uh, and the first thing he says is, he's like, what the hell is that action comics thing doing up there? That's like, <laughs> And they're yeah. like, and they're like, well, you know, our, our walls are the history of comic books. He's like, I'm the history of comic yeah. books. <laughs> Get that thing out of here. And, and we were all cracking up and he went around and talked to everybody, said hi and, um, you know, shook our hands and everything. He was, he was so gracious, so nice. And, you know, somewhere like, it's like, is he that egotistical or is he just trying to be funny? probably somewhere in the middle mm -hmm. um at that point he kind of earned it um oh. but uh <laughs> um because the joke he kept making and even when we went to the panel later was he was like he said well you know why the avengers was so successful right and we were all looking at each other like what's he gonna say and he was like you know so my cameo was at the end of the movie i think what happened was a lot of people missed it so they had to go back and see it again because they're like, funny. I, That's I great, missed yeah. the stand cameo. Where was it? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I got um, I got uh, a reprint of Avengers number one signed by him then. And uh, the funny thing was that like that convention was at the floor of the was in the basement of this convention center and they had like terrible like cell service and everything. Ooh. So I brought a couple extra comics I was getting signed for some friends. So one friend gave me some money and said, can you get this signed for me? I said, yeah, no problem. And I was going to surprise another friend and get him something signed that had Dr. Doom because this is one of his favorite characters. And so they were like, okay, well, it's 50 bucks per, per comic. I was like, I was like, ah, you know, he's one of my best friends. It's worth it. Fine. So I was like, okay. And so she was like trying to fix the credit card machine. She's like holding it up like to the ceiling, like, uh. and she's like, okay, uh, we, we ran them both, right? She charged me like $55. And I was like, yes. Yes, you did. And she was like, all right, here's the stickers. Go, go ahead and get in line. I was like, thank you. <laughs> I, told, I told my friend that. He's like, oh, my God, this must have cost so much money. And I was like, it didn't. And let me tell yeah. you why. <laughs> um, cool. I kind of took advantage of that situation. But, uh, but yeah, it was, you know, he was, he was so nice. And he, when he signed the comics for us, he was like, I'm writing it big. So, you know, it's me. <laughs> he was i mean i it's a memory that i cherish forever um it was like my facebook picture for a long time and uh like we brought so many comics for him to sign and when they had that you know that number we were like eh, we should probably whittle it down a little bit um but yeah it, and then even like later i i met him at a, another con this was maybe four years ago and i felt so bad for him then because he just looked he just looked like yeah he was ready to go and but he was still there he was still very nice very polite signed everything that people wanted um and you know and i did that for another friend of mine because i was like well I, i've already met stan lee like i I'm, i've got other stuff to do he's like would you mind doing that for me and i was like okay sure um having to like plan my whole day around like the stan lee thing right because that's that's gonna be the longest line at comic-con but uh you know, it, it, but those are memories I really cherish because he, you know, he said, uh, uh, you know, so many times in interviews and everything. And I remember at that panel we went to, he said, I, I just wrote stories that I wanted to read. 
And I figured that if I wanted to read them, other people would want to read them. Mm. And like we were talking about with the success of Spider-Man No Way Home and the Avengers and everything, obviously he was right. You know, yeah. people caught on to this to the point where now it's a billion dollar market. That's insane. Listen, no, no one single mind created as many heroes as Stanley. Yeah. And that's all you could say about him. He he's responsible for 75% of the iconic Marvel characters. Yep. You know, I mean, when you look at DC, you had different, you had different creative teams come up with Superman. Somebody else came up with Batman, right? There was no one mind there like Stan was. Yeah. That's yep. the beauty of it, is that he was able to tap into his ability and and imagine these characters and bring them to life and and these are it's an ip that's arguably the most successful in the world and you know these characters look i mean just look at them now they're household names yeah you know and he had his struggles i mean marvel had hard times they were they were bankrupt they yeah i mean he went through you know say what you want to say about him you know on the business side i think he probably did lack uh I think he probably could have used some help on that side, you know, and, and whatever differences he had with the artist and some of that like that, that's just, like you said, it's just business. But uh, when you look at him and how he went out, you would think that somebody that did all he did would be like this super mega, like billionaire. And he never really was. He was just like a regular guy. Yeah. He was again, like Spider-Man, he was a real relatable guy. I met him here, uh, but it wasn't like you, which is very quick in, in, a, in a line too. And But I always felt like I knew Stanley because I always felt like he talked to me. Every time I he read did. his comic books and I read his soapbox, I felt like I knew Stanley. It was very personal. Yeah. I love DC a little bit more than Marvel, but I never felt as personal with DC. I just happened to have a stronger affinity for the entire collection of heroes from DC than Marvel. That's where my bias goes a little bit, but I never got that warmth feeling from DC like I did from Marvel. And that's all Stanley. Yeah. It's all him. And you're right. I feel like I know him because of his soapboxes and the mm -hmm. way he narrated comics. And he was ahead of his time too, with the way he, he believes in everything. Um, if he was around now, I think he would have been an even larger icon, not just in comic books for yeah. the way he felt about social and, um, other humanistic things. The biggest regret of my life is I never got to meet him. Hmm. Biggest regret of my life. Biggest regret of my life. Biggest regret of my life. It's, yeah, I mean, it was it, it was tough. You know, those those tickets were kind of pricey. You know, um, and it, but it was one of those things that was like, this opportunity may not come again, and it really didn't. You know, um, the only reason it did the, the second time was because a friend of mine kind of like literally begged me to do it for him. And, and I was, and I was like, you know what, like, who am I to say no, you know, um, cause this is like, and it kind of was, I think that was 2016. Okay. So that was like six years ago. So that was like 2016, I think, um, if I'm remembering correctly, um, pretty sure it was 2016. And I was like, so it was six years ago, excuse me, I misspoke before, but, um, but yeah, but it was like, you know, it was it was awesome, you know. It was amazing, as uh, amazing. <laughs> like, pun intended. Um, so 
gentlemen, this has been an absolute blast. Um, you know, I kind of figured we would, <laughs> it's like, there's, there's so, the, the story is so simple that we're not going to have much to talk about in terms of the story, but, you know, look, you know, for the past hour, we've had this really great talk. Oh, it's been uh, great. And and thank you for letting me ramble with my Stanley oh, story. Oh, <laughs> dude, Run. that's going to be the best part this of the app, man. It was a great story to hear. I was just, you know, what's funny is as you were telling that story, we have the first Amazing Spider-Man omnibus open, and I was reading one of his um, lightly, not, I was, I was, attending to what Are you, you were saying, saying you weren't listening to but JJ. no as <laughs> he was telling it he signed it stanley excelsior and as he's talking yeah i'm like looking at it and i'm like everything i'm looking at right here is what he's saying yeah absolutely which is wonderful yeah, yeah. that's why the marvel that's why to me marvel the comics um they're timeless yeah like i said as much as i love dcjj when i go back i can't read 60s batman stories I can't read 60s Justice League stories. They're they just don't come to me like they do in the Bronze Age. Yeah. But yeah. because of Stan, I can read all that stuff. And 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 yeah, it's dated. And yeah, the world's not like that. And it's not as innocent, but it it still feels like it makes me feel like a kid again. It really does. And sometimes you go back to those that feeling and you want to keep it for you, right? You know, you want to stay in that mode. Yeah. I, I thought about that a lot when I was rereading it. I was like, you know, it, you know, it's like every sentence ends in an exclamation point and <laughs> so it's like, it's so much expression. It's like, it, maybe people don't talk this way, but the, the feeling of what they're saying still comes across and, and, you know, and Ditko was an amazing artist, you know, mm -hmm. like um, he, he, I think he, he gets more credit nowadays, but I mean, back then he was kind of pushed out and uh it's and which is a shame, but like, you know, I mean, there's stories about him too that we could do a whole other podcast about. But um, but you know, it's like they but they had this like lightning in a bottle idea. It's like, let's call him Spider-Man, but like it's like even though like like we were talking about before, nobody really likes spiders. If we dress him up like blue and red and 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 just the the full face mask, like anybody can be spider-man and that was the point they were driving home at the end of into the spider-verse right like anyone can be spider-man and and that's really something that i think is part of the reason it's it sticks out um you know and maybe why spider-man has stood the test of time because anybody can put themselves in the suit anybody can be can be spider-man and that's pretty awesome it is and it's true it's true and 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 that's why i believe he's where he is now yeah uh, gentlemen, thank you so much for being here. This is an absolute blast. Um, thank you, my and, friend. And uh, one one last thing. Let's give uh, your local comic book store a shout out. What what store sure. do you guys go to? We go to a place called Graham Cracker Comics in Downers Grove. It's it's actually a chain. They have several stores in the Chicagoland area. Um, wonderful place there. We've got a good guy, Jim. Shout, that, out, to Jim. Uh, shout out to Jim that Legend. takes care of us. He uh, He's always on the call when... <laughs> We need to reserve something. We have our, our, what are we pulling now a month? Like about 20 titles. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> it's hurt in the pocketbook. It's I know that. No, I, I, same thing. <laughs> it was, um, it's getting hefty. That, that's funny. That's uh, so that's the same one that Zeddy said, because obviously you all, you know, live yeah. Yeah. together. Yep. Um, so that's cool. It's, it's one of those things that I, you know, I, I don't really have the time anymore because, you know, kids am i right um but uh, i i loved going to different comic book stores um 
and and seeing their setup and their layout um and like i said about the heroes aren't hard to find that was such a cool place you know every time i go to new york city i love going to midtown comics sure um been to i think it's saint joseph's comics or something like that in in um uh oh my gosh i'm blanking uh greenwich village um i was thinking of soho i was like that's not right because i still have tick tick boom on the brain but (laughs) all these months later um but uh you know, so it's something I, I, you know, another thing that I wanted to shout out, it's like, you know, like shop local, like support yeah. your local business. Like it's real easy to get this stuff digitally. I have a ton of digital comics. Um, it's how I'm reading a lot of these books that we're doing, but I also every, like almost every week I'm at my store, which is books galore in Erie. I'm there almost every week buying, buying stuff because, you know, even if they pull something for me, like, Oh, we thought you'd like this. It's like, I'm still going to buy it. Cause even if I don't, want it or i'm not going to read it i'm still giving four or five bucks to a local business yeah yeah um, great. well yep. said we're in the yep. same boat so uh gentlemen where can the uh the listeners find you out there in the interwebs um you can find me at n caruso jr on twitter and i'll, I'll let my son go through the uh plethora oh man i thought i had a, a second the right, we have we only have one minute nico so you're gonna oh dude i'll be fine (laughs) you can follow me everywhere at at nico caruso uh n-i-k-k-o-c-a-r-u-s-o uh instagram twitter tiktok i think i forgot one that's fine instagram twitter tiktok i do movie reviews on tiktok you follow at italians for spidey the italian spider-man coalition we do a show with our good friend mr peter vera as well also follow the rbte podcast it's right between the eyes it's a kiss podcast we do with our good friend drummer rob myers from the everyone loves the drake podcast that was less than a minute and what about the vintage <laughs> oh yeah and the well, see i thought you were gonna do that because you did it last time and our main show that I, that i do with my father and zeddy who you have heard on a previous episode of the show at the, yep. uh at the vigilante 1939 um in which when this episode drops we're gonna I'm not sure when it'll be, but we have a lot of stuff. Go follow us. Yeah, you. I was you, almost going to talk about next week, but I'm no. like, wait a minute, this is going to come out after next week. <laughs> yes, but uh, you you guys do so much. You're doing, you know, I I love I love following you guys. Um, you, you uh, it's it's been great getting to know you over the past like year. Um, you're in yeah. some change. Um, and that's that's the you know the great thing about podcasting and. Uh, in social media is that for as toxic as some of that stuff can be, this has been like, for me, a just like life-changing experience. Oh, so, amen. Us amen, too, my brother. friend. Same to you, bro. Always. Yeah. And, you know, like, like Peter and Zeddy, you know, uh, even, even Ryan Lauer and, and even Garrett Grev, I guess, you know, who's all right. Um, I'm teasing Garrett. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, Josh Lagern, just so many cool people that yeah. like, we've beings, man. like, who, uh, like, who would have thought that like, we're coming together talking about batman talking about spider-man who would have uh, thought hey hey look at us who would have thought <laughs> not me <laughs> all right keep calling not me <laughs> look at us <laughs> um as for me you can find me at uh spider-man books on twitter or email me spider-man book club at gmail.com uh thanks again for tuning into the spider-man book club And we'll see you next time, webheads. Excelsior.